Hello everybody, it's Colin Ellis here and welcome to another Culture and Coffee podcast for Monday the 3rd of April 2023. April, already? Already April. Now in my mind, so I found a little coffee place, I'm in London uh, today, and in my mind I'm sat out on the street drinking my coffee in the early spring sunshine um, and, you know, kind of watching the world go by. In reality, pouring it down. <laughs> Chucking it down. Classic England. It's like all the summers I remember growing up. Not only that, there's a dude a bit further up who is actually sawing some paving stones. Sawing? Is that the right way? Cutting? Cutting, probably. Cutting. You don't saw a paving stone. Spot the guy who's never worked outdoors. Um, cutting a paving stone um, so I may need to pause this at some stage because <laughs> just can't compete with that kind of noise yes so uh, where am I I'm a stone's throw from Hyde Park which if you've been to London is near Buckingham Palace it's kind of it's kind of West London it's not far where I am is not far from um, the West End I suppose yeah it's not far from the West End is it lovely little street full of um, Georgian houses they look like Georgian houses the Georgian houses, and so that would be the early nineteen, uh, the early nineteen hundreds. I think beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place, but it's absolutely chucking it down. Um, and I'm at a place called Harrison's Coffee, and Harrison's Coffee is a Chilean, Chilean cafe, uh, not far from Hyde Park. A little, little bit of information about Chile for you. Chile is the southernmost country in the world. It's the country that's closest to Antarctica believe it or not. Um, it was colonised by Spain in the 16th century, um, but was settled long before then by the Incas. And the Spanish replaced the Incas. Um, and then uh, they managed to declare independence from Spain in the early early 19th century, I want to say. Yeah, the early 19th century. It's one of the mo- Chile's one of the most economically stable countries in, in South America. Which is good, but I know what you're thinking. You're like, but Colin, Chile? You've never had a Chilean coffee. Do they do they even produce coffee? Uh, and the answer is no. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't produce coffee. In fact, they mainly drink, believe it or not, Nescafe. That apparently, when I was doing my research, they mainly drink Nescafe. However, I was walking past this. I walked past this place uh, at the end of last week. And I saw that they did a bonbon coffee. So I thought, I will go and have a cafe bonbon, which I have now. If you don't know what a cafe bonbon is, generally it's a one-to-one drink. It's one part condensed milk, one part espresso. So it's very, very sweet. The one that I've got here is probably, it's probably three to one, three to one coffee, uh, one part condensed milk. If you, they do a similar thing in, in Vietnam and Vietnamese coffee with condensed milk it's very very sweet um, but a bonbon coffee is actually it's a Spanish coffee it's a product of Valencia uh, so yeah it combines coffee and condensed milk um, but but the two you have to what you have to do is you have to pour so you put the condensed milk in the glass first or the cup first and then you slowly pour the espresso onto it so you get this beautiful layering effect so what I've got in front of me here is like a, a layer of white and then a layer of brown on top of that and now I don't because of the milk I don't really drink that I don't drink milk so I have soy milk I have soy milk on my cereal there's your milk update kids 
Um, so I'm, I imagine I'm going to find this really, really sweet in much the same way as I did with the Vietnamese coffee, which I had pre-COVID. And I remember I saw people adding like three or four sugars to a Vietnamese coffee, which is like mainly condensed milk. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to stir it though. I'm just going to completely ruin this layering effect now, which is beautiful. So, I mean, to be honest, it just turns like the, the color of a normal, if you put kind of milk into a filter coffee, there you go, a sound effect of me stirring. Yeah, quick sip of this. Well, that's super sweet, absolutely delicious. It reminds me, when I was a kid growing up, my mum used to like evaporated milk. It was like this thick, creamy milk, and we used to put it on cereal, which seems insane. But yeah, we used to put sugar on cornflakes and then this evaporated milk. I suppose it's like condensed milk on top. I mean, how unhealthy is that? Crazy. <laughs> oh, the things we used to do when we were kids. All right. Um, I am going to talk about how many have I got here? The rain starts lashing down even more here. Ten. I've got ten reasons that organisations might abandon, may abandon hybrid. Now, if you if you're not a hybrid organisation, stay tuned because I think there's stuff that you'll be able to take from this. Um, because some of these are just excuses that just crop up generally for organisations not putting any time into culture. Look at that, right on cue, some guys start grilling. Hopefully yeah, it's not too busy. So yes, reasons that organisations are going to abandon habit. And we've already started seeing this. I've talked in the past on podcast, people like Disney, Amazon, um, Twitter, Tesla, one of the first, and Elon Musk. I've already started kind of getting people back into the office. And I think we're going to see it more and more as with all of my conversations on hybrid, let me just say, I think it works really well if you do it properly. It's just that not many people do it properly. Um, and then what that will do then is lead people to question whether the strategy is right, which of course is wrong, because actually if you, if you actually experiment and try and do things properly first, this applies to anything, at least you know whether it works or not. I think most people, uh, well, the big bus, the big London open top bus is going past, Everybody's on the cover. No one sat on that top bus. No one at all getting soaked on that tour bus today. <laughs> so yeah, I think you know, with anything, what you've got to do is you've got to try some stuff first, and you've got to prove what works and what doesn't. Coffee really is delicious. Okay, so ten reasons organisations. How am I going to do? How am I doing time-wise? Right. See if a couple of minutes on each one of these. So first reason is that it's not what they're used to. I think this is very true of Generation X senior leaders, so people of my age and older, you know, people of my age, you know, 25 of them. Um, people in their 40s, 50s, we, it's not how we learned how to work. We learned how to work by being in an office. That's what we did. And I think, you know, that's the first reason that they'll say, oh, for me, it works best when, yeah, for you, because that's the way that you grew up working. It's familiar to those people. I think baby boomers, uh, people who are kind of in their 60s and if they're still working in their 70s, they're just, they're just anything for an easy life, to be honest. Just like, you just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. I just want to leave with my pension intact. Uh, whereas I think genera Generation X managers is like, oh no, you know, work gets done in the office, that's what I'm used to. 
So that's that's the first reason. Second reason is uh, managers aren't very good at managing people in a hybrid environment, and this is definitely true. In fact, there was a survey done last year, and only 18% of the managers, no, sorry, my bad, 12% of managers said that they had the skills to manage in a hybrid way. 12%, which is even more of a problem when you consider we don't really teach managers how to manage anyway. That sounds really bad, I don't mean it to, uh, in the sense that when we promote people, which is often based on length of tenure or based on technical expertise, we don't give them the skills that they need, setting expectations, courageous conversations, um, communication. There's just an assumption that they can do these because they've been promoted and that's not necessarily true. When you're managing in a hybrid way, it's, it's a completely different set of skills, like completely different set of skills because all of a sudden you're not face to face with people. So often we'll read things like body language, um, it's very easy to walk up to someone and say, well, have you done or can you do or hello, how are you, it's nice to see you. So everything is much more deliberate in a hybrid way and if we don't give managers those skills, Know, which is a program that I do is and hybrid management skills people are like oh now I get it uh, but it's it, it's different it's a different set of skills the third reason uh, I've, I've heard about this one a lot to be honest with some of the clients I'm working with is there are few people are spoiling it for everybody else now don't get me wrong if managers were better at managing in a hybrid way then it'd be easier to set expectations and performance manage and doing all those things you could say that quite Legitimately. But there are some people who are just not taking this hybrid work thing seriously. And what they want to do is that there's a, there's a selfishness to it, maybe. Um, some people aren't happy in the work. And of course, what we want to do is get to the root cause of why they're unhappy. So we can help them feel motivated and inspired, or we can help them leave the organisation, which is absolutely what you should do, because you don't want a minority spoiling it for the majority. But I remember as a senior manager myself, I had one person, and we had a remote working policy. I was always a big advocate for it. Uh, you know, always been a big believer in balance. But I had one person that whenever we contacted them, they were just never available. They were never there. And then the calls got returned at maybe four o'clock in the afternoon, at a time that wasn't really appropriate for us to actually do the work. And of course, as a good manager, I asked you know, what the reasons were, and they never really, weren't really good enough. Anyway, long story short, they were doing two jobs. So they'd negotiated this flexible working thing so that they could do two jobs and it would have been very easy for me to blame the flexible working but it was this one individual uh, and and so we had to deal with that so yes that that could be another reason where just one or two people spoil it for everybody else that's number three number four the work isn't getting done now again, manager needs to set expectations about the, the outcomes that need to be achieved or the outputs that need to be delivered. You know, work, as I've said before on the podcast, work is, is something you do, it's not a place that you go. But if stuff isn't getting delivered, then I suppose you could almost expect managers to be like, all right, well, let's go back to the way it was before. <laughs> not that it probably was getting delivered there, 
that's probably a counter argument yeah actually we're as productive as we used to be um which wasn't very productive by the way so if work isn't getting done that could be another reason why managers are like we need to be more productive uh, and the only way to do that is back in the office now that links to the first one yeah maybe it's gen x managers making that kind of connection work can still get done um but uh, when you're remote but if it's not that could be another reason that they pull the plug what's that one two three four five it's adversely number five it's adversely affecting people's mental and physical health now we know this to be true so the science is saying in fact um it's it, it's affecting us more than we think now we're still so I'm reading, obviously I'm reading a lot of science, a lot of research about all of this. Um, the, 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 what's interesting is that, you know, in Cisco, I think I've talked about this in the past, but Cisco did some research last year. And what they found in their research was that people said that they were happier uh, because they were, they've got the balance. They, they felt that they've got the balance. So they said, you know, we're happy with our working arrangements. But actually, emotionally, they weren't. So I think it was like 88% of people said we're happier with the balance, but only um, 18%, 18% said that emotionally I feel better. Um, and and you know, one of the big issues is, is that uh, lack of connection with other human beings, um, that sense that you're part of something bigger than yourself, that that opportunity to interact. Oh, that dude's cutting his pavement things. I'm hoping that my microphone is going to isolate my voice over that. Um, but yes, it's, it's adversely affecting people's health. And so what organisations may do is say, what we've seen is, and so we're going to call people back to the office. Now, obviously, you'd have to have quite a few events for, in order for people to think that but remember that not everyone is suited to working remotely not everyone is suited to um actually being distant from people all the time it suits some people more than others so um yeah it's a bit adversely affecting people's health the next reason and and it, this is linked to culture which i'll come to at the end but Hybrid work just might not be for that organisation. You know, I know I know plenty of organisations who've just said, you know what, it's not for us. We are an in-person, experience-based organisation, and we work better together. You know, I know of one marketing company who were just like, you know what, and, and the staff decided it, it wasn't the management. Now, don't get me wrong, they still have flexibility in their working hours, so if you want flexibility, you can have it, but they're just not hybrid. It's like, no, nah, actually, we, we, we enjoy working together, we enjoy being in the office. It's about, it's about 60 people. Uh, and so hybrid work, and they just said, hybrid work's not for us, and that's cool. You know, that's absolutely fine. It doesn't have to be for everyone. Just because it's the latest fad, it doesn't mean you follow it. In fact, it's a human race. We've got a history of just following these fads when we don't need to. All right, so what's that now? One, two, three, four, five, six. Number seven, there's an uneven experience. And that means that different people are experiencing culture particularly in different ways. And that's not good. Um, 
because what that means is that there, you've got some people who are happier than others with the arrangements that they have and where there's an uneven experience what that does is it affects morale which affects engagement which affects productivity which ultimately affects people's happiness what you want to try and do to, to the best that you possibly can and of course you can intentionally design it is to have an even experience so that, that even though you may be working in different locations the experience feels similar you don't feel like you're being left out there isn't a you know one of the things that i talk about is that if you're going to have a a, a, a kind of hybrid meeting you've got some people in the office and some people who aren't in the office what you can't then do is have a side conversation with someone you can't say right well the people in the office will will, will follow up after this because you, you're alienating someone there you're basically putting someone outside of that you can't organize food for the people who are in the office but food for people who aren't in the office and uneven experiences are, are really dangerous because what we're doing is we're treating different people in different ways. And we don't want that. And one of the things that work, everyone being in the office was good for, and I can, I can say that, you know, as, a, as an advocate for hybrid working, I can say that. It was easier to manage the experience. It was easier to make sure that there was parity for all. And again, I'm not suggesting for a minute that we can't do that in a hybrid word. It was just easier to do. I think you would agree with that. And so where there's an uneven experience, um, there's a chance for unhappiness. All right, number eight. Another reason that they may abandon hybrid is because they're doing dumb things. And they're not, particularly, they're not making the most of their time together. I'm really sorry about the noise of the background. Some, some dude's got a drill now. Buses, you know, cutting equipment, drills, every rain it's all going on here hopefully you're able to hear the podcast you know what was the podcast like oh yeah apart from the drilling and the bus and the rain it's great um i had some guy told me once when i was doing my public speaking i started my public speaking career he said don't draw attention to the obvious this was all about making a mistake he's like if you make a mistake don't draw attention to it because then people notice it uh, and so i've just forgotten all of that and I'm drawing attention to every single noise uh, that's happening on this uh, rain-sodden Georgian street. Uh, dumb things. So if you, when, when, when people are back in the office, you want to make as much of that time as you possibly can. What you don't want to do is back-to-back teams meetings with people who aren't in the office. It's so dumb. I mean, honestly, that's just a demonstration that people just aren't thinking about the right way to work together. There was... There was um, I was speaking to someone, their organisation had, had said that they come back to work three days a week. And, and this person was pretty cross about the whole thing because he said, in, and the three days that we're back in the office, he said, do we do anything different? He said, we go for lunch together on a Thursday. He said, but other than that, all we're doing is back-to-back teams meetings, which we could do outside of the office. And I agree, I think that's completely and utterly dumb. What you should be doing is making the most of that time together. And that's perfect for workshops. You know, workshops where everyone's together. Listen, face-to-face is just the best way to do some things. And organisations should really focus on doing those face-to-face things together. Like, not all meetings have have to be face-to-face. They really don't. But that's a demonstration that, you know, like I said, that people aren't really thinking about it. The ninth thing 
is they have expensive real estate contracts that they can't get out of, or they've invested millions, or in Apple's case, billions in an office, um, and they want to see people back in it. Come on, let's, let's be honest, that's definitely a reason. They're like, well, we fitted this office out, we need to see people in it. And I kind of get that, but not really. <laughs> but no, I do, I do. I, again, it's all part of that experiment and, and thinking about how best to use that beautiful space that you have. And then the last thing, number 10. Uh, the 10th reason that, that people will abandon hybrid is that it's detrimental to culture. And this is true of many organisations. But what I'm finding is leaders are saying that it's detrimental to culture, having never ever defined their culture in the first place. Now, thankfully, I get to work with some organisations who want to do things in the right way, who actually want to define their culture. They want to create the foundations. They want to set expectation between staff. They want to come up with a communication plan and talk about what gets done hybrid, what gets done in person. They want to correct some of those habits that they've got. They want to make sure that people don't feel alienated. They want to create a sense of belonging. Those are the organizations that it, it doesn't matter where the work takes place, they will always succeed because they've built the cultural foundations, always. And organizations that say that it's bad for culture just haven't done enough work uh, to define the culture in the first place, certainly in, in my experience. And whilst it's a legitimate reason, I completely agree, yes, it can be detrimental to culture. There are things that you can do to actually make sure that it's not. Uh, and it depends whether people, leaders particularly, are prepared to investigate the time, money, and effort involved to actually doing so. I come back to what I said at the start, is that hybrid, is an experiment and in order to make it work is you have to kind of pick a control group document what works document what doesn't and try and at least do it in the right way before you decide whether it's for you or not all right that's your culture and coffee podcast from noisy london at the beginning of april um, I hope you have a fabulous day wherever you are and I hope you're a lot warmer than I am sat here right to off and out